If you're enjoying getting better acquainted with me and with my guests, maybe you'd like to help other people find out about the show. There's a few easy ways to do that. You can go on iTunes if you've got five minutes and leave a review saying what you think of it. That helps it get higher rankings on iTunes and stuff like that. What the show really needs is word of mouth. And in this internet age, that means liking the show's page on Facebook or retweeting it or sharing the link to all of your Facebook friends or Twitter followers, doing whatever you need to do in whatever social networking site you use. And if you don't use a social networking site, well, hey, you can just tell your friends or email your friends and tell them about what's going on. I have to say I was sceptical about us working together and having, you know, our personalities as they are, good or bad. It's kind of, you know, you know all the good and bad things about each other. So how do you sort of start a business together? Is it a good idea? Um, it was Clash of the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So there's a lot of teething problems, but I think <laughs> looking back on it, I think it was a good idea. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Aisha and Abdul. Um, hello. Hi. Hi. You're the first, as I was saying to you earlier, you're the first and possibly only interview I'm doing as with two people. And I think the reasons for that will become clear to people as they listen to the interview, so I don't want to reveal it now. But um, the two questions that I'm asking people uh, to get things started. How did you meet me? That's the first one. Okay. Pretty randomly, I guess. Yeah, very <laughs> randomly. Um, <clears throat> so, Abdul and I uh, started a web startup together, uh, which is in the area of audio specifically podcasts and um, we started it in a very technical way and then decided uh, after kind of seeing what the results of that when I say technical I mean we used a lot of uh, algorithms and technology to to create a service which would be which would make it easier for people to discover podcasts um, and quickly found that we needed more than just technology, we needed people to help yeah. us. Um, so that that was the sort of starting point into how we got connected to you, but we kind of sat down and thought about where would we find people that would also be interested in this idea of a podcast startup, and uh, decided that podcast makers themselves would probably be really good. So fired off lots of emails um, to podcast makers and heard from a few, uh, one of them being uh, Matt Hill, yeah. uh, who's a friend of yours, and yeah. Matt put us in touch with you. <laughs> uh, at the time we were in San Francisco and uh, we were kind of in, uh, just about to move back to London, we'd been travelling for a year, um, and so when we came back to London, that was our first meeting. Yeah, that's right. I think it was was it in Foils, I think. It was in Foils Cafe, yeah. Yeah, because it was a bit, I was, I was one of those nerve-wracking nerve sort of occasions <laughs> where you're sort of thinking, I haven't got a carnation or any <laughs> or a newspaper, how, how am I going to recognise people? And then every every time people came through the door, I was like, oh, that must be, you know, yeah. and then it wasn't, until it was, <laughs> uh, which was good, yeah. The other question, which I guess you've sort of 
kind of answer, but you'll decide for that, I guess, for yourselves. Um, is what do you do now? That's what do we do now? Yeah, interpret it however you mm. like. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the way it's working out now is we kind of did like a big major release of ZFM. We got more people on board. With that release, we kind of said, okay, more people will use this, let's try it out. And we ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so at this moment in time, what's going on is that um, I've gone back to contracting uh, about uh, five days a week, so for three months, of which two months have gone by already, I've got a month to go, and Aisha's um, take, taking the helm on sort of full-time, doing a lot of um, marketing and talking to investors and meeting people and talking to other producers and getting in touch with everybody and anyone we can get in touch yeah. with. All the stuff that goes on behind the fact that this website exists. Yeah. The stuff that you don't see, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And um, talking to users that use the website, um, analysing traffic, see what people are doing. In fact, we just talked to someone about, like, a couple of days ago, was it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's one of our users. So we, we went to meet him. And, yeah. yeah, had a coffee with him, speak yeah. to him. And well, see what he likes, what he doesn't like. That's so. one of the nice things, I think, about the way that you're approaching it, is that you have a very personal kind of... You, you are approaching the people who are listening as well and having coffees with them. Mm. That's really, really exciting. People don't see the people when they look at the internet. Yeah. You know, they, they just see a nice site. They don't know that there's work's gone into that and that there's people trying to make money. Yeah. Not, not in a cynical way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the so only way you can make the website <laughs> is if you get some money to live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's one of the things I hope this this actually this in, this conversation will will show to people is some of the people behind uh, the internet. So you started ZFM together. Yes. How did you decide on ZFM? What when was the inspiration? Well, that was Abdul really because he was he, he is contracting at the BBC at the moment, but he used to work at the BBC and uh, he had the idea there. Well, <coughs> Basically. actually, I was told to say like. <laughs> after and before work not not there during office oh, hours yes. Yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. after work <laughs> or going to work in the morning yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know was it a kind of aha moment or was it something that was building up over time I think it was just building up and basically it's kind of like I was just surrounded by some really gifted people in terms of ideas everybody had some interesting ideas and they were doing some crazy things with those ideas so it was just quite like me I think if you're in an environment where everybody comes in in the morning and says, hey, I've got an amazing idea, and not only that, but I've actually built a prototype, and here it is, play around with it, tell me what you think. You're like, you get inspired not just to think of ideas, but actually to start doing them. And um, at the same time, I was just um, fed up with like building websites. Yeah. <laughs> and like I've been doing it for a very long time, like building web applications and doing the same old thing over and over, and I just wanted something different. And at that moment in time, me and I actually got into... Like there's this thing called an Arduino board, which is like um, I don't know. It's it's kind of like a hobbyist type of electronics board that you can program, you know, play around with. You know, you can make it switch TV on or off, or you can make it do stuff with lights, and you can do anything you like. And we got really inspired by that, and we started playing around with it. And um, the idea was not to have a website because we just got sick of websites. <laughs> Basically, to um, have like a radio that you actually physically turn on. Uh, yeah. and uh, the radio will start playing whatever it is that you like 
and the idea was like, well, where would you get the content for that radio? Well, the idea was, well, there's a lot of content on the web, you know, and that you can just funnel through this radio and, you know, give it to people and then it'll learn from whatever they like. So that's what we started on, actually. Mm. There, were, there were no websites in sight. It took us yeah. about, I think, two months to build this prototype. Yeah. And uh, I had um, been working in architecture before that and had got made redundant. And But even before getting made redundant, I'd kind of been thinking about wanting a complete change. Um, not because I don't like architecture, but uh, just it's... It's so I wanted to be able to do something on my own, and it's a very difficult industry to kind of persuade people to commission you to design a building. Oh yeah, bad, yeah. <laughs> um, the overheads and the costs are like really high, so I was kind of interested in softer um, technologies, I guess, where you can prototype ideas and actually do something yourself. Um, so that um, when Abdel told me about this idea, I thought it was quite cool to try. Uh, I have to say I was sceptical about us working together, Yeah. <laughs> also being a couple, mm. um, and having, you know, our personalities as they are, good or bad, it's kind of, you know, you know all the good and bad things about each other, so, yeah. <laughs> so how do you sort of start a business together, is it a good idea? Um, it was Clash of the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, so there's a lot of teething problems, but I think... <laughs> looking back on it I think it was a good idea because they get to know each other in actually a completely different way as well which has been nice um, and there's benefits of knowing each other really well when you're starting a business together because you you can be uh, very brutally honest about stuff <laughs> which is sometimes good you know? yeah 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 um, Although if someone's brutally honest and upsets the other one, then you can't <laughs> you can't go home and chill out. You no, that's, and that's the problem. The problem yeah. So yeah. the problem was is that if we have that moment that you just described, um, there's no basically that disrupts the whole day mm. because you can't just say, okay, cool, well this is like you know work here and I just have to get on with it. It's more like it's a very personal. There's no mental sort of break, you know, you're yeah. shifting from one mode to another. So it's kind of like, if that moment happens, it's kind of like, you know, you've got three hours that you're just going to go down the drain. Yeah. And in fact, I think what's happened is that we've, I, I hope, I don't know if we've actually managed to do this, to minimize those moments. <laughs> yeah. Because they can be very disruptive. So how, how do you minimize those moments? Um, well, you constantly ha have a, like, a health check. Start saying to say, are we okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? Or, I think, or appreciate that. Okay, so this is the deal. What happened was really interesting. Other than the fact that we were learning, I've, we've never, I've never soldered anything in my life right. before touching that toolkit thing, the hobbyist toolkit. I, yeah. I had to learn about electricity and things like that, basically. And there's the software element, but then there's the actual hardware putting switches and things together. You know, and you're a coder, really. Yeah, and I'm a programmer, and I. I I, I actually did electrical engineering in university and I dropped out after two years because it's like this thing it doesn't make no sense to me right. all these things but then I think because I was forced to do it at that time but then when I was doing it because I was enjoying doing it and I wanted to learn something new I actually picked up a lot of things really quickly but so other than just learning all that stuff and I actually never did any either software or hardware projects so it was kind of like what are we doing here you yeah. know what am I supposed to do you know what if this doesn't work out I'm you know I'm from this other industry and if this doesn't work out so there was a lot of Baggage. There's a lot of baggage, and that's one kind of baggage. The other kind of baggage was how you work. You know, like people in the software industry work differently from people in the 
architecture industry, they have different methodologies, they have different ways of working through products, they have different ways of approaching problems. So it was kind of like, you know, some of that stuff is really good, some of it is really bad. Like, it actually hinders you, especially when you're trying to start a business. So I came into it with the baggage of working in a corporate environment. Right. Which was like, you have, you know, I was in a team of 12 people, a lot of communication. We had to talk to each other all the time. We had to have all these random meetings, you know. Um, we had to have certain you know, um, things like retrospectives every couple of weeks or every day, once a day to see how's everyone doing, are we okay? Which in a small team of two, <laughs> you don't need. <laughs> no. Um, and even, even from the planning side, again, when you're approaching something new and you know, even though I've done it before, you can't really plan that much. You know, you have to just get into the market and keep doing. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to superimpose things that would say, oh, we have to plan and this is what we're going to finish by week one and by week <laughs> eight we'll have this thing and it'll jump and mm-hmm. blink at you. And, and I was just like, why are we doing all this? <laughs> like, why all this? This is just wasting time. And so that was kind of interesting because actually she was right. And I was wrong. And <laughs> wow! And you've got it on tape. <laughs> and I've got it on tape. Um, and and that was that's. I think that was a theme underlying the last two years. Like each other, each one of us would bring stuff from their kind of world, and then we would one of us would say, "No, this is this just doesn't work. Why are we doing this?" And then yeah, then that kind of changes that person's uh, mm. you know complete view. And it is also hard when you come from. Like what I was doing before was quite a specific career path, yeah. And then when you sort of go off that and do something completely different, it's hard to sort of let go. You're improvising. You, you're now, constantly you, have that at the back of your mind. Oh, if this new thing doesn't work out, then what do I actually, you know, where do I go after that? Yeah. Uh, and obviously that's not the way it works. You kind of you learn. You don't appreciate that. You learn so many things along the way. There are different options that you can have after that, but you kind of have this constant like oh my god, you know, I need to stop and think about if this is definitely the route I want to take. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's yeah. kind of all those personal things that go on at the same time as trying to build an interesting And I product. guess you can't turn, like, you can't turn it off as well. I mean, I, I've I've um, occasionally done creative projects with uh, my partner, Jen, and, uh, you know, it means that you fin- you'd, you'd never finish for the day you still like have ideas in the middle of the night and then you end up talking and then it becomes late and then you yeah. know and you can't <laughs> turn off the and it's good when it's go, when it's going good it it feels great because you're bouncing off each other but sometimes it surely it must it it just you, you want to turn it off and you yeah. can't I mean do you, do you guys <laughs> have had you had that yeah we, had, we have that all the time actually <laughs> and it's kind of it's like you said when both people are kind of buzzing off each other it's actually quite good yeah but then sometimes um one person might be buzzing and the other person's trying to process stuff Uh. and you know that that's not so good or or you know it just kind of or if you're feel like you have to keep constantly thinking about things because something's not working out actually if something's not working out sometimes it's good to stop yeah pause and and it just solves itself doesn't it yeah Yeah. and come back to it later There's also an element of doing and thinking. So yeah. I think sometimes you kind of think too much and not do anything. Yeah. And I think because you have two people that constantly talking about it, you can just keep talking about it for weeks. <laughs> you know, it's like blah 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 blah. blah. What about yeah. that? And then at some point, you you kind of say, look, what have you done about this? Yeah. <laughs> We're just talking about it, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, we need to do something. And and I think 
just having that balance is really hard, I think. Yeah, I don't think we've mastered a kind of no. <laughs> the art of that, because what we, what we kind of do go through cycles, basically, yeah. and kind of that happens, and then you think, actually, we're talking, thinking, and doing this all the time. We just need to wind back, because that'll probably make us more productive in any case. So we do that, and then it kind of creeps up again. So it's this constant cycle. You know, after a few months, you find, oh, actually, you're back to working on it all the time and thinking about it all the time. So, yeah, if someone finds uh, <laughs> Well, I think another, th- another funny thing is, like, every time we run out of money, which happened just twice, which is a lot, to be honest. <laughs> I've, I've, I've um, run out of a lot more m- money a lot more times than that in my life. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, this during, this, during this project. No, no, I mean, during yeah. this project. Uh, so, basically, the, the first time, I ha- like, when, I, when the, the first month, you feel bitter and you feel really annoyed with yourself and... Mm-hmm. Why, you know, you know, I want to keep pushing with this, and actually, what happens is like it creates distance between me and Aisha because I'm, you know, for eight hours I'm somewhere else during the day. Yeah. Um. So she can get on with stuff from a completely different context from what we normally think about when we're together, which is sometimes really good because the stuff that comes out is really amazing, and I'd like we like when we're together. Sometimes we never think about it because everyone's trying to push their idea across, and sometimes it's a compromised idea that gets worked out mm. rather than someone's vision says this is what's going to happen this is how it's going to be done people are, people can close down ideas can't they early on yeah and if you sometimes I mean and I find that it's in a lot of collaborative environments you sort of think well if I could just go follow that idea to the end yeah then maybe I could convince you but now I've, it's been stopped right here you know this yeah. happens when you're making when I'm making music sometimes with people absolutely yeah. yeah, and that that kind of happens. So that's one thing that happens when we're out of money. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And another thing is, is that I can't write a lot of code anymore. So or whatever you know, or be involved actively in everything. So I get time to reflect on what we just did. You know, so I, I kind of think about things differently and use the thing that we just built as well. Because when you're developing something, you're you're constantly just developing. You know, you can use it now and then and stuff. But when you're like Right now, for example, I commute every morning, so I actually have to go and update my, add stuff to my collection, and you know, and make sure I can take it to work and listen to it on the tube, and and that kind of. And you're you're now you're now in the position of the people who are your listeners. Absolutely, yeah. Because you're commuting and you're listening. Absolutely, and and when you when you building something for commuters who are listening, that's one, and you remember how hard it is when you commute. That's one thing, but actually being in that position. And having to commute and do stuff, um, and use the thing that you're building for for the purpose that you thought you built it for, um, it kind of changes the way you think about the thing you just built a lot, which is really amazing because it gives you, it, it makes you think about why is it not why is this not working or why is this wrong or what what are the good things about it what are the bad things about it and that's learning that you would never do if you didn't run out of money because you'd have if you had investors they'd be like. Make sure you build this. Make sure you build that. Blah blah blah. We just paid you for all this. You have to make sure everything's out the door. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. And also, if you're, you know, if you're constantly working on it as well, like I said earlier, um, you, it's I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like it's you have like these moments of like aha moments, like you know, everywhere you go, you're like, oh, oh, oh. And the funny thing is, you can't do anything about them because you know, for you to do anything about it is like. Um, it'll be like another two weeks or three weeks before you can sit down and actually write proper code, right? So the good thing about that is like, those are how moments, some of them are crap. 
as well. And you get, mo- and you get and the distance to think yeah, about them. Think about them yeah. and then throw them away rather than think about them and say, I'm doing something right now about this, right? Um, See, this is very interesting. I mean, this is, it sort of chimes with my experience occasionally. When, like when I've been writing novels and working at the same time, you have a notebook where you're filling it in with all your ideas, yeah. but you don't, you can't write them down properly until the weekend. And it does mean that you, when you come to write, you look at your ideas, go, "That's great. That was just uh, <laughs> a moment when I got excited for no reason." You know? and, and, it, and it it benefits the work in the long run. I guess I guess that's what you're yeah what you're getting at. Yeah. And it's it's interesting as well. I was thinking when you were saying that I've I've had a similar experience with this podcast series that I'm recording now with you. Um, because I've been recording it as conversations and then I've been uh, listening to them as I move around I've been put, suddenly putting myself in the position of the actual listener to the podcast and experiencing them in a very different way than when you're sitting there editing and you listen to it again and again you listen to it all the way through but you don't hear it like a commuter Yeah, like I, I think now now I've heard it, heard heard these episodes as a commuter I'm like right that that works and that helps me to do these very conversations that I'm having and this got very meta <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll bring it back from that and switch the cookbooks. yeah no problem in fact that's a, a good sort of uh, w- way into the sort of thing I was going to say now which is that we're recording in ZFM HQ um, which is why you can hear um, there's, I think there's a lot of tennis that they can hear in the background. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's from the school, <laughs> school nearby. It sounds like we're living in a really posh place with tennis courts behind <laughs> us, but it's a kind of very urban concrete jungle. Yeah, it, it, is a, it is a kind of urban concrete jungle. It's very nice though, it's got a nice view. Mm. But you, you, where, you, where we are now, where we're drinking your lovely coffee, which is very kind of you, and <laughs> these fantastic biscuits that Aisha's has made, um, this is where you live but it's also where you work yeah how does that affect you as you know as people (laughs) and as workers i mean for for me personally i think it works really well at the moment i can imagine if you had kids and stuff it would just be a bit of a nightmare um but i think at the stage we're at i quite like it uh we we had to make that decision when we moved back to london we had our stuff in storage and we were looking for a new flat and we thought when we come back, uh, we can either spend a bit more rent and live centrally and just um, basically make that our office as well, or um, live cheaper and a bit out of town and maybe get a rent desk space or something. Um, so we decided to live centrally and uh, spend a bit more on rent. And actually, I think there's something about... So my background is actually specifically in office design. <laughs> funnily enough and uh, one of the things that I had a constant um, love-hate relationship with about designing office spaces was it was often for corporate uh, environment uh, companies was that um, I think they often don't work for people they're just not very human spaces and if you ask most people if they like their office environment usually they say no um, for various reasons and there's something about uh, offices that work really well tend to look a bit like homes, you know. Mm. Um, so I think there's something about that kind of. I, I I don't think offices are particularly conducive to coming up with good ideas or having creative sort of time to think about things. Um, so it, it for me it works well. 
Um, I think it just depends on what your personal sort of situation is, and because we're doing this full time and we're fully immersed in it. Yeah. It for now it's fine. But it if is, you, if it you, is your life. Yeah, exactly. In all sorts of senses. Yeah. yeah. So if but if you <laughs> wanted that kind of divided space, like I can see how it couldn't work as well. Yeah, I think if you go down, you know, like maybe three years down the line and stuff, I think you might have to go out into an office or something yeah. because you might want to work and then go home and home is home and work is work and there's no sort of like in between. Yeah. Mode. You also because you also well you also have peop the people who work with you you know this is where we come yeah, occasionally yeah, yeah. for meetings and stuff yeah. like that and I think that's really nice it's really nice coming into a kind of home <laughs> you know for a meeting it's much nicer than sort of sitting in an office space but then I think for you guys sometimes that's nice but sometimes you're like you know I just you know in your home you want to walk around in, in your night clothes <laughs> you know no I think it's not no, actually I do like the fact that everybody comes here and I like the fact um, when we went well, this is in London, but we when there was a period we were in Edinburgh as well, and um, we got a flat in Edinburgh, and uh, it's you know it's a nice flat. And one of the things that when we got married, what I did was uh, I persu persuaded Aisha to get a dining table that's actually it's like a boardroom table basically. It's this huge twelve or ten seater table. I think it's twelve. It's yeah. Twelve seater table that we kind of because we had a huge space and we we're like I was like, what if everybody visits all at once? <laughs> all all our entire families. What are we gonna do? We're gonna sit them all. Obviously this has never happened ever in the last it's six or seven years since we've got married. Times, but um yeah. but um the idea was like everybody will have a place to sit at the table. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what ended up happening is that actually we had interns working with us, we had other people working with us, and that table just paid for itself in three months because everybody would come and say, oh, brilliant, I could just come and work. I was like, yeah, just come come along. And we kind of really liked them. So this is kind of a continuation of that tradition. It's kind of it's like... It's a sort of family feel, isn't it, in yeah. a way. I'm, I've, I've liked that about the way that ZFM is engaged with me as a... As a like, I know what I am. I was trying to think <laughs> this on the way here. I'm not exactly an employee. I'm a sort of, I don't know, a collaborator, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's a good term. Um, but yeah, I've, I've certainly found that really engaging. And, 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 and it has, as, as someone who gets put off by the corporate world quite easily, I've been really not put off by the experience of, of collaborating with Senator. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, ha I, I, I just discovered when you, when you said it twice then that you guys got married, that, you, that you're married, because I didn't know, because you both got different names, which is, you know, I know lots of people who are married who have different names, but, you know, you don't, you don't go around sort of saying, are you guys married? And now I feel stupid, because as soon as you said it, then I'm like, oh, I see the rings, I'm stupid, I, you know, a, a, a woman probably uh. wouldn't noticed. I oh, yours is on yours is on the wrong finger. Yeah, I was a little bit chubbier when we got married, <laughs> and basically, I haven't re uh, made the ring smaller, and now it just goes there. So it's in your in, on your middle. Yeah, middle I'm finger. just starting a whole new. Uh, you're not you're not hiding the fact that you're married. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's, just it's a new trend. It's a new trend. Everybody should wear their <laughs> <laughs> wedding bands on the wrong finger. Well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because I've, I've, me and my, my girlfriend got engaged, so we've got engagement rings, oh, but then cool. subse subsequently we decided not to get married, so we're just kind of permanently, <laughs> permanently engaged now. Um, but but I, I don't know, I always joke that, you know, it's good to have a ring on my finger to keep the girls away. <laughs> no, it's not, you know, that's not accurate. <laughs> so you guys got married uh, 
what, five years ago, you said? Um, 2004. Yeah. 2004. And... What's that? That's six. Seven, six, seven, 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 Oh my God. Seven years. Yeah. Wow. And were you, were you together for a while before that? Or? Yeah, well, actually, it's going to be 10 years since we... Yeah. Uh, this year is 10 years since we've known uh, each other, so... It's ten, it's me and my girlfriend, it's ten, 10 years this year as well, so that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a bit soppy now. Yeah, yeah well, you know, soppy's all right. Um, and okay, so how did you meet? Um, well, basically, I, I was I was in Edinburgh. Well, we went to the same university, but we were in two different campuses. And um, I'm from Edinburgh. And I kind of stayed there to go to university and stuff. Yeah, and I went to Edinburgh to, to go to university. Um, where did you come go to Edinburgh from? Well, I at the time I was living with my parents, and they live in the UAE, and um, so I was staying with them briefly for like a, I was there for a couple of years, and before that I was doing that the other degree, the electrical engineering degree. Okay. So um, I kind of did like a, what do you call it, um, a distance learning thing with like a university in the states, okay. and it was like. You could do like a couple of like a year and a half or two years sort of distance learning, and then after that, you either have to go and finish your degree like over there, or you go to a proper university somewhere else and say, okay, look, I want to finish my degree. So I decided to, because I'm British, so I was like, I'll go back to the UK. This is awesome. And uh, I uh, had like I applied to lots of universities, got like lots of acceptance letters, and uh, as it happened, it was like one like I had Edinburgh and uh, Birmingham and then somewhere, uh, and then London, a few universities in each city. So I was like, okay, I'll start with the top. I'll just see how I feel about Edinburgh. And if I like it, I'll stay. If I don't, I'll move down to Birmingham and vice versa. Because I knew I loved London, so it's kind of like anything that will keep me away. You know, if I can find anything better than London, because London's quite expensive for a student. Hey, I, I agree with <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, if I can find somewhere as good as London, but cheaper, it'll be a workout. It is expensive. It is. and. Um, but I had family in London, so that was like really easy. It was an easy decision to make. So I didn't really want to make that decision because I had family in London. Because I was like, can I stay away from them as much as possible? Yeah, I get uh, that feeling too. I've had that myself. And um, anyway, so I did my tenor, uh, tenure in Edinburgh for three years. I got my degree and I, was, I got a job. And I was, I'm out of here, basically. Um, I was leaving Edinburgh and then that night I met Aisha. Um, the night, you were, the night you were leaving Edinburgh. Look, actually, uh, t- two weeks before I decided, okay. uh, before I was going to be like two weeks or a month a month before I was leaving Edinburgh. Yeah. And but I finished my degree and I graduated and that's it. You know. Um, it was kind of the end of the year. Yeah, it was like exams have happened and that's oh, it. Where did you meet? We met in um in a place called Motherfunk. <laughs> in what? Motherfunk. I'm which good. is okay, uh, right. um, well, well, it's it's a I don't have to put the explicit tag on yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's mother funk. It's basically it's, music. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a funk and yeah, sort of it's a yeah, funk night. Funk yeah, night, yeah. yeah. And um, I it happens like once a month or something, and um, and it's been going around for a really long time. Yeah, so it's a kind of club night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it's kind of like a club night, but it's kind of not very clubby. It's very people just hanging out. You know, nothing. It's not like a major club night or anything like that. It's more like a chilled out vibe sort of thing. You just go and okay. hang out, listen to music, and then go home sort of thing. So you guys uh, got talking, did you? Or? Yeah. Well, it's even weirder than that. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Just to give you the setting, it's like uh, in Edinburgh they have all these um, 
So you've been to Edinburgh? I have, yeah. They have all these uh, underground cave rooms. Oh, right, yeah. So it was in one of those. Um, in one of the cellar rooms. Yeah, yeah, in one of the cellar rooms. So it's that kind of... Yeah, it's an underground cave thing. And I knew, and Aisha knew, basically we had a friend in common. Right. But uh, she, my, that dude went to, he was my friend, kind of, I knew him from uni. And his girlfriend was Aisha's friend. And they did the same course together. And I kind of... I was there. I was like, "Oh, who's that?" I was, I was like, "Hi, how are you?" I don't really know the guy, that guy really well. And I was like, "Oh," and he was like, "It's like, oh." Um, and that night, I didn't want to go out anywhere. I was just like, "Look, I'm done with Edinburgh. It's finished. I'm out of here. What the hell am I doing going to club nights? I just want to make sure I save as much money as I can and blah blah." And then um, a few of my friends were like, "Look, dude, you know, you've just been studying really hard, and you've just, you know, why don't you just come out and just, you know, chill out for a bit?" And, and I was like, "No, no." And then by like. Um, they, they, three of them managed to get me out of the house, and I was like, okay, whatever. I was really, it wasn't like, I was just like, it was one of those nights where you don't really want to be out. Just tagging along. Yeah, just tagging along, and and then when I when I met Aisha, it was very brief. It was kind of like, hi, hello, um, and it was like, and the guy was like, oh, do you want me to do to you? I was like, no. <laughs> Can you please not do anything? <laughs> Can you just leave me alone? And. Um, and I, and then basically, at, as like an hour later, I was like, you know, I was like, I'll just go introduce myself, you know, <laughs> see what happens. And and Aisha's name is funny because my grandmother's called Aisha as well. Right. So I was like, that was. She's like, my name's Aisha. I was like, oh, my grandma's called Aisha. That's your Yeah, that was like, yeah, my grandma's called Aisha. <laughs> we'll get along really well. But the funny thing is, is not that. Is like my my grandfather is called Abdul. Right. Yeah. So, so you're kind of echoing yeah. your grandparents. Yeah, so that was the weird, that was, for me, that w- that was weird at yeah. that moment in time, because I was like, oh. But you didn't tell me that part. But right? I didn't which, obviously which tell Aisha that part. Yeah, that was a bit yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll freak her out in like the first minute I met her. <laughs> okay, so what did you think of, uh, of Abdul when he came over? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> tell me, I'd like to know, actually. Thank you. Well, obviously you thought something. Hmm. Well, it was kind of... You know, in these environments, it's difficult to have a proper conversation. Yeah. So, we talked a bit, and then um, we kind of decided to exchange numbers, and then we met up later. And the first, I remember the first time we met, um, we went for, we just went for a coffee, I think it was kind of in the evening, or... Yeah. Mm. And um, we went to this place, which I'm not sure if it still exists anymore, it's called um, City Cafe. Yeah. And they have like pool tables and stuff. It was just a bit of a student hangout. <laughs> and um, I just remember we sat down and for like about three or four hours straight, Abdul just spoke. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just kind of like, wow, this guy has a lot to say. <laughs> well, you were just really quiet. Yeah, she's just like sitting there looking at me and I was just like, okay. Uh, I would go quiet for a while and then you're a person who's like me you know, you, if there's silence you fill it yes and, and absolutely I, I, I do, absolutely. I, do uh, I understand that that, yeah, that like particular just... disadvantage and advantage uh, in the world yeah there was a lot of silence moment like you know there was a lot of silence yeah I like you said chose to fill it yeah but I think there was a kind of instant uh, it's going to sound really cheesy but there was a kind of instant getting on with each other and just you know something there yeah um because even though um abdul moved away like a month later we still sort of stayed in touch and yeah it it was kind of it just felt comfortable so yes straight away you had a kind of long distance relationship for a bit then 
Yeah, for was it eight, eight months? Eight months or so, yeah. yeah. Eight eight months. Yeah. Eight months. But because it was at sort of quite near the beginning, it mm. was kind of yeah, it, it was a different. It was a weird. Yeah. <laughs> I I was flying up up and down just to be because I I moved to um, Winchester, which is like basically uh, like 20 minutes from Southampton so it was just like Edinburgh's up there and I just went all the way down there you know he's <laughs> holding his arms as far away from <laughs> each other as possible yeah I am uh, <laughs> and that was uh, that was really hardcore I think because um, it was yeah it meant every time I went to go to Edinburgh I'd have to fly up because otherwise it would take too long on the train oh yeah definitely mm-hmm. I mean, um, if you were going regularly then yeah, yeah. And I couldn't go regularly a lot because it was really expensive and I was just graduating, so it was a graduate job, so I didn't have a lot of money to spend on like flying up and down. And it was, But it was funny because I would come to, let's say I was in Edinburgh for the weekend, I'd come to work on a, on a Monday and be really tired and be like, why am I doing this to myself? And I'm like, well, because I need a job. And, um, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to hand in my notice. And then I, at lunchtime I'd just call and say, look, I'm just like moving back to Edinburgh, this is not going to work. And I kept saying this for six months, and I should come and I said, no, it's okay, you know, you've got, like, you know, it's your first job, and you need the experience. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then... And that was in my last year of uni. Though. Yeah, and you're... Yeah. yeah, probably an ideal time to have a sort of long-distance relationship in a way in your last year of uni, because yeah. it, it, you need to sort of focus. Like yeah, 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 there's a lot of work pressure on yeah. her as well. And I got made redundant. And that was great. It was like <laughs> the best thing that ever happened. It was like someone actually made the decision for me. Thank you so much. Because uh, you feel wrong, you know, and you, you like, you know, if you you have a job and you know there's nothing wrong and you're in the right place and yeah. it's your first job and you know that you actually need like at least a year's experience before you can move yeah. on. If you feel wrong about ending it because it just doesn't make sense. You're like, I just ended this thing that I, it was actually hard to find in the first place. And this was like after the was it just after the nine eleven yeah sort of you know the financial kind of crash that happened after well that? two things crashed at the same time it was the the bubble this the uh, the the in the internet bubble that was like during the two thousand one era yeah which is a big crash yeah. for like software and internet companies yeah massive um, and then after that September eleventh happened and that was even a bigger crash because all financial organizations just went and the one the company I worked for was doing software for financial like for banks in London and stuff. So they just said, oh, we don't want any more work. Uh, to, we don't have any more work to give out. And they just started laying off everyone. And it, was, it wasn't it was a big company. It was like about 50 or 60 people. And I think there were 10 left. So they laid off, like, basically all the company. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was good. It was really good for me because it was kind of like, okay, now I can just move back to Edinburgh. Um, and that was an easy decision to make. It wasn't like a hard thing to do. Or, no. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was good. I'm assuming, although it's not guaranteed, that you you proposed to Aisha. Is that right? Or no, of ah, course I, I did. did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These days, uh, yeah, I think yeah, it was kind of like I it was a weird kind of proposal. Actually. <laughs> Even if you say so, yourself. it was just it just kind of like organically happened. You know, it wasn't like it was like hey, I think we should get married, so sort I think <laughs> you know, and then it was like, what do you think? It's like yeah, I think we should do that, and that was kind of how it happened. But I think we kind of... Which uh, kind of <laughs> was harder than we thought, actually. Yeah. Because um, our... So, well, for me personally, because my parents come from um, Pakistan and they moved to the UK in the early 60s. Right. Uh, and they spent a long time in London and then they moved up to Scotland and I was born there. But my brothers and sister and me have a big age gap. So they're, they all grew up in uh, London. And uh, I grew up in Scotland, 
but anyway, the the kind of family tradition was to um, culturally my brothers and my sister they're all married within the same culture right um so that was uh i think that was a really sort of interesting <laughs> hard experience to go through for my parents as well as for me because i didn't i i guess we didn't want to get married um sort of uh, behind their backs or anything like no. that so or elope or elope <laughs> which would be quite drastic um so to get them on board was actually Took longer than we realized. <laughs> yeah, it took like a year or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting because how, how were your how were your parents cool with it? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I come from a family that is actually very. Um, so my I've got like German cousins. Like my you know my uncle's you know he's got German like his wife's German. He's got kids. I've got Greek cousins. So um, who the mom's Greek and their dad's like. Not Greek, but, I guess. But you're of. What, what so my my parents are from. Um, my I'm of Sudanese descent. Sudanese. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, I've been trying to guess that as well, but you know that's another thing you can't come out and ask people. So no, you can. No, about, you know, it's, it's Somali descent or Sudanese descent. Or no, yeah, part no. of Africa. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting working in communities with lots of different kind of races in them that you sort of yeah. start to. I sort of start to see things that I didn't ever see before I moved to London in terms of where people might come from. Absolutely. I mean, it's. I mean, that's why I like London, to be honest. Uh, but um, yeah. So my I and you know, it's one of those things whereby I never thought about it as much, you know, because yeah. like I grew up like my cousins were from Germany and they, you know, they. In fact, when we were kids, they couldn't speak English, so the only way we could communicate was through sign language and a bit of German and a bit of English, for example. Um, and like my Greek cousins couldn't speak English either, so it was kind of like they'd speak in Greek and I'd talk to them in English, and we'd work something out. So in, in your family, it was a kind of big. It, it's already accepted that mixed relationships occur and happen, but yeah, and I think it's maybe I'm not. It's not true of Sudanese families as such, but I don't think. I, I think for a guy to go out and get married to someone else, maybe your your parents might accept it a bit easier than if it was their daughter yeah, if you see what I mean I reckon that's true um, so it's kind of like <laughs> it's, it's I think that's I think that's probably I mean if I think if one of Aisha's brothers said I'm going to go marry, get married to someone else like you know like I'm going to I'm going to you know Indonesia tomorrow and oh I met this chick and we got married I think her parents wouldn't be as frustrated as if it was Aisha went to Indonesia and met this dude <laughs> and got married for example you know yeah. that would be like a total like whoa you're our daughter what are you doing and I think it's true of all cultures. I think when it's a ch- when it's a chick's point of view, it's kind of like whoa, you know, it doesn't always add up the same way. I, Unless I you're, agree with that, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think I kind I of that combined with the fact that some of the young, the youngest in the family, so everyone's very protective. That kind of added another. And your parents, like you said, like her brother was uh, like in his late forties at the time. So he, her, her eldest brother was when I met him. It was Aisha. It was not his sister. She was his like daughter, effectively. Yeah. Um, like he's. I mean, at least yeah. I mean, I've got very much older sisters, and they're more. <laughs> I always think more like aunts in a way than. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was. It wasn't like talking to Aisha's brother. It was like, hey, how's it going? It was more like talking to her dad. You know. <laughs> being interviewed. Being interviewed by her dad. You know, because they had like twenty five years between them. So that's kind of big. Yeah. That's how much you would have with your. You know. Yeah. Um, were there sort of religious issues around the complications of them sort of seeing the relationship as well I think that's 
maybe what's interesting about the whole thing is because we're both well, we're both not particularly religious, but we both uh, come from Mus- we're both Muslims. Yeah, we're both born Muslims. So that that was um, kind of weird because it's like you know you you'd think it would make it easier, more ideal. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is what I sort of thought when I thought about your relationship without talking to you about your relationship <laughs> I thought well you know they're, they're both probably of at least Muslim descent mm-hmm. um, and so that might make that easier that, yeah. that kind of mix easier in a way that it wouldn't necessarily if you'd have met you know oh, if you'd have been like a white a- a- atheist or like yeah. Christian it would be very different from but in of, fact I think it was kind of it was uh, definitely for my parents and probably if, if there was any you know issues with even Abdel's parents, uh, it's the cultural thing that's quite different, and um, and people sometimes confuse culture with religion yeah. as well. Yeah, that's the other thing. We don't really probably. I mean, we have probably cultural differences that we've uh, inherited from our parents, but um, my parents and Abdel's parents have mm. very different uh, kind of cultures, I guess, and that was yeah, that's kind of whole new thing for them and also there's a huge uh, going back to the age thing Ash's parents are a bit older you know like they, they've yeah. you know they've like it's not like if if her brother was her, her dad if Ash's brother that would be the right age for her conceptually speaking for her to be to have her dad right right so it's kind of like he would be more understanding because like generationally speaking the, you know the gap is not like that huge. It's not two gener. It's it's yeah. one generation. It's not like two, two and a half generations, which is quite a big limit. You know. No, um, yeah. And I think just coming to that conclusion, you know, coming just trying to. So it's not me. It's it's me. It's almost me trying to convince my grandparents. You know. Yeah. Um, and for Aisha convincing her grandparents, which is always really hard. You know, no <laughs> matter what you do, you know, like. Or easier. Um, I don't know. Uh, grandparents tend to. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, but. I think, but funnily enough, I mean, it wasn't, to be honest, it was such a weird thing. It was yeah. like, it was one of those moments where, like, people's emotions ran up this high, right? <laughs> really and I'm putting high. my hand really up here. <laughs> and then when it actually happened, it was like, why was this such a problem? Yeah. Nobody like, nobody knew what, what, what was wrong with I this problem. I think now it's yeah. almost, because we all kind of, you know, hang out with each other's families and stuff, it, it's almost like, did that really happen? Mm. You know, it's it seems like such a non-issue. At yeah. the time, it was like, you know, oh my God. Yeah, like, for example, you know, like, Ash's dad wouldn't talk to any of us, you know, and, but after we got married, we were best buddies. So I was like, and, you know, you'd think, is this the same person? But that, uh, isn't that, that's a very kind of a, a, a lovely testament, really, to the, to the family, though, because there are lots of families that don't yeah. ever speak again yeah, yeah. after sort of something like this. this is, it's really nice to hear that, you know, people just got over it. And it didn't yeah, I think, I think it's kind of like, it's the fear of the unknown, I think. It's really, yeah. a, that's really it. I mean, to be honest, it's still a problem. I mean, in, you know, in, like, for example, if, if we, if Ashley comes and we have like, like my family's kind of outing and it's my grandmother there and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of a bit, sometimes it feels a bit awkward because people expect certain things from her that, you know, that they would take for granted. But she was like, why, you know, what's, why is that going on? You know, there's certain traditions or whatever. And, or not not even traditions, but kind of like... I think it, language has been sort of a problem sometimes, I yeah. would say, because um, well, cause my family all, uh, my immediate family all live in the UK, and they've lived here for a long time. They're quite used to sort of mixing up English and other languages and just going with whatever works mm. in a situation. But Abdel's family all live in Arab 
speaking Arabic speaking countries. So sometimes it's like if I go. Yeah, like if she meets my grandmother, for example, my yeah. grandmother would understand what she's saying, obviously, but there's translation. But, but there's but, but there's a bit of kind of void there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but so you, your shared language is English. English. You speak Arabic as well, yeah. I do, yeah, I do. And you speak. I speak uh, Punjabi. Punjabi, but not. Uh, like, not as well, not completely fluently, but okay. I can have a conversation. But um, your, f- your first language was English, then. yeah. And um, was your first language Arabic? No, my first, first well, is English, English and, too. yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I actually learned Arabic in Abu Dhabi where I kind of grew up because my, my basically my, my parents used to live in London and then they my dad got a job for an old company in the UAE and then they moved there. Ah, so I, I, was, I was born here and then they kind of like went there. So it was kind of like one of those. You had to, I mean, you, you had to, part of the school curriculum is like you had to take Arabic. It was an English school, but you had to take Arabic as like a subject because mm-hmm. they wanted you to be able to go out and get a cab and you leave the school, you know, it's like yeah. one of those. But, um, but, it, but you know, like to graduate or whatever, you, you're, you're, you're Arabic, Arabic was just taught as a language, not as a, oh, if I failed it, you won't graduate type of thing. It's kind of like you just have to have this thing on the side. But my parents speak Arabic, so it's kind of, you know, like, it's not that hard for me to speak Arabic. And where did you, I mean, because I, I sort of wrote a note down to myself, well, earlier on about accents, really, because I think it's it's quite interesting, like, I don't have a very defined accent, no one can work out where I'm from, from my voice, because I've lived all over the UK. Um, I think Aisha, you, you know, you hear your voice, you hear a Scottish woman. Mm. You do? <laughs> uh, I do, I, I think you do, yeah. I think, I think that, 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 that it must be strange there's a different issue like I think it must be strange for you as a Scottish woman um, to not for, for people to for people to not expect you to have the accent that you have I think that probably it's, is it's quite an interesting experience because you kind of so I've had like especially in the last few years for some reason several occasions where I've been in Scotland and people have asked if I speak English <laughs> as the first <laughs> opening line to me wow um, which I don't know why that's happened more in the last few years than it has um Previously, it could be because even now Edinburgh and Glasgow, especially, are becoming more diverse. There are people moving from different places, so maybe people are kind of more aware of this fact of the fact that people are coming from all these different places. I don't know. Um, but they're diverse to start with. Yeah, I don't know. But like when I was younger, I, I didn't have that experience. But recently, it's been you know people asking, "Do you speak English?" Um, which has been really strange, and. Often, um, if I speak to someone on the phone or if they don't see me, they can pick up my accent straight away. If I meet people, they don't know where, they, they can't pinpoint my accent at all. And I think there's definitely something sort of to do with the way a person looks and someone's perception. And that's not necessarily to do with being racist. I think that's just, you know, to do with what your perception is. Well, absolutely. Are I think it will be interesting. I mean, th- this is the interesting thing about audio that no one knows what any of the people I've been interviewing looks like. Yeah. And so people will only know, have an idea of what you two look like because we've strayed into this area of conversation. Yeah. And I don't think, and before that they might have had, you know, they might have, you know, just seen you as, you know, a, a white Scottish lady because it, yeah. you've got a Scottish, <laughs> Scottish accent. And, and, and that's the first thing that people think about. It's not, uh, like you said, I don't think it's a racist thing. It's yeah. just a, an association thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, your accent. <laughs> no, my accent is, yes. it, it is, it, it isn't, 
It's more like, I would say, like my accent. You can't really pin you down. You, there are lots of Scottish bits, and then they go away. <laughs> well, I was, basically, I was told it was a... What, what did someone tell you? Um, it was a BBC accent. That's, <laughs> that was the... Uh, that was what I was told. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a mishmash of stuff. Because I went the... Funnily enough, for ten years of my life, when I was a kid, my English teacher was a Scottish woman ah. uh, from Aberdeen. Um, so that was quite funny. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny. Like, there's all these things in my life that happened that were going to lead me to Scotland, <laughs> but I didn't know that they were happening at the time. So I had like my English teacher uh, was Scottish, uh, and I had like a math teacher. She was Scottish as well for for loads of years, and then. Um, Basically, uh, one one of my best friends. We had our birthdays together. Like you know, he was born on the twelfth of April. I was born on the twelfth. He was born in Glasgow, and we constantly had birthday parties together. You know, yeah. and and you know, and this is like okay. So what? Uh, he's born in Glasgow. So who cares? Um, and um, basically, so it's got a bit of that, and then there's a bit of like uh, part part of the because it was in the UAE, and although it was an English school. Um, basically, you had um, people like from different countries, and so you had a lot of U.S. teachers, and you had a lot of um, a lot of um, Scottish teachers. You had quite a few English teachers, so you kind of like from class to class, you know, you talk to you, the, the the person in front of you is speaking a completely different accent from yeah, the other there's person. A, there's a big chunk of the U.S. Yeah. in 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 your in your yeah. accent. As yeah, well, and like. the, and or at least uh, certainly in your vocabulary. Yes, <laughs> it is absolutely. And but then well, when we first met. I thought you were American, actually. <laughs> okay, so that 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 was kind of like the, a, a big thing, and then I th- the the problem is it's kind of like you have the mishmash of like bits and bobs from here and there, and yeah. And moving on from there, it's sort of like because I, I've lived in Edinburgh for ages, like almost ten, twelve, <laughs> thirteen years. <laughs> Shock horror. Um, <laughs> People were, were trying to work out your age. On paper at home. No, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, but basically for a very long time. Um, <laughs> and um, so that, that's, like, you know, that factors into your daily life as well. Yeah. And, but having, like, and I guess it's kind of like a mishmash of my, where I grew up and the people I interacted with and, Kind of like where I've lived as well. And so how do, how has had having? Do you think that having no easy to define accent is a? How do you feel about that? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Or? I don't think about it. No. To be honest, um, I don't think it's even a thing. I don't know. Uh, what, I don't know why I think about uh, it so much about myself. But I think <laughs> well, sometimes it's it's sort of like, for example, like there are certain colloquialisms or certain words when you're in Scotland that I would never use. Just because I think, oh, uh, that's too Scottish, for example. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but um, because I'm not Scottish. Yeah. Um, but there, are, there's certain other words that just pick up and become part of my vocabulary because ah, I think that's a cool word. I'm just going to jump all over it, basically. No, I mean, I'm, I'm like uh, you were thinking vocabulary terms as well. I just, just I'm like a sponge and yeah. I just suck it all up. And then some of my friends who object to Americanisms. <laughs> hassle me about it, but uh, <laughs> well, I, th- I think the other thing is it's funny because I worked with a lot of people in the past, like things like dude, for example. Yeah, that's quite an American thing. I've to started say. using dude recently. Yeah, but I, my I, friend's I, horror. Yeah, so yeah. I I say that word a lot, not because of like it's a new th- like it's been something I was going for the last five years, but it's it's because 
even the people I've worked with, like I think it's a, a software thing. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it's like software. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like the cultural work <laughs> thing where you hang out with a lot of geeks and the word dude gets used a lot, and there's certain Americanisms as well because of that cultural thing that get used a lot. Um, and right, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Is, mm-hmm. And in fact, awesome is one of those funny ones because I never used to say awesome a lot. I used to say brilliant. So <laughs> every time I'd say brilliant now is, is where I say awesome. But say brilliant a lot. But we went to San Francisco. We spent, we spent some time in America over the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's, it's the vibe of the people that you hang out with, like, how, like their personality, how they're, they're, they're really just happy and just comfortable and when something is good they call it awesome not just oh this is good or brilliant which is kind of like undertoned a bit they feel like really joyous about it that they actually go out and say this is awesome yeah mm-hmm. and you can't after a while hang out with these people you kind of like you know what I need to shed a bit of my Britishness because <laughs> actually if I felt as, I, as they feel about the world yeah. maybe I would enjoy the world a bit more um, I think there's something to be said for that. I'm I'm often very jealous of of that kind of American optimism, uh, but I'm also quite suspicious of it because at the same yeah. time I think, well, if everything's that brilliant, you know, where's the where's the top, where's where's the where's the graph? You know, how yeah. can you how can you quanti- quantify experience if everything's awesome? Yeah, but, but I, think I, I kind of agree. But it's you know when uh, I got I started working in London, I worked with. It was the first time, uh, so my, my graduate job was in Edinburgh, and when I came to London, it was the first time I'd worked with lots of people from different places. Mm. And um, I became quite acutely aware of certain expressions that I never really thought about before. Things like, um, often people you know, would say, oh, how are you? And I'd say, not bad. And quite a lot of people would say, why, what happened? And I was really con- genuinely yeah. confused for a while. Um, but then I started to realizing how strange an expression it is because I'm actually good that yeah. is what I'm trying to say um, but to them it's really strange that I this seemed to be quite common with people whose uh, English was a second language for them so they're literally taking that translation and kind of going oh you're saying you're the opposite of of what you of are, what you are. Yeah. it's like good but could be better yeah but that's it, not what you're saying yeah. no I was actually trying to say I'm good you know yeah. um, and I started. I think that's the first time I started becoming really aware of the slightly sort of negative undertone to some of the things that um, you go around saying, you know, in terms of British kind of expressions. And I don't think when I was saying them, I actually genuinely feel good. So it's almost like not being aware mm. that I don't know. And kind of yeah, and to go back to that threshold like some of the people that are doing interesting things or, or like not doing interesting things just so but I agree with what Dave's saying yeah. so I think I what I was going to say was that the scales seem to yeah to it's somewhere in the middle yeah. yeah I think you know yeah. you shouldn't there, there's certainly something in in the San Francisco at least from what I've experienced of it um, way of speaking yeah. that is perhaps overly optimistic and yeah. sort of dooms you to to you know, to not seeing the world clearly, but there is, I would agree, something mm. in the British well, I, I in the British I, attitude. I, I, I kind of I disagree. To not seeing the middle ground. I disagree. Okay, I completely disagree. Because I know you're a you're uh, no, evangel- no, 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 no. I am not. I'm not. I'm absolutely not. Um, but I think what you because you think that person just said awesome and they don't really see the world as as it is. Yeah. You know, but actually, 
it's the other way around. And the world is awesome. Yeah, no, <laughs> basically they think it. This is really good, but the world is crap, and we need to make it even better. That's really interesting. Um, and basically, if you if you go to you know if you go to San Francisco, for example, I'm using it very loosely. I mean, yeah, there are yeah, other yeah. places. Um, you know, even homeless people will hold the bus door for you while you're going down the stairs and say, "Oh, are you okay? You know, do you want to get down? Are you, are you cool? You know, do you need any help?" And they don't want any money from you or anything, and you know they're just doing it because they think it's a, it's an awesome thing to do to help someone, right? And he needs help. Never mind, you, you know. Um, people there are kind of like starting up. There are a lot of charities, you know, um, trying to you know bring do good. And there's a lot more charities than anywhere else I've ever been in my life. Um, you know, trying to change the world because certain parts of the world, according to them, are not awesome. Um, so it's kind of like actually they have a very very clear view of what is happening. Okay. And then on an acute level, not on a oh I think the world is okay, it's all love and games. It's actually no, the world really sucks, and that's why anything we need to do should be really awesome because that makes a big difference. And you know once and you know I mean when you go there, I mean there's nothing special there. It's not like the, you walk down the plane and you know the, the streets are. Yeah, pays with gold. Yeah. It's basically there's a lot of homeless people in town. And there's a ton more homeless people than ever. B before going there, my mom's been there, and when when I when I went there, I was like, "Hey, mom, wait, wait." She's like, "What are you doing? We're, me and Aisha are going to San Francisco. Awesome!" And she's like, <laughs> "Okay, just be aware that there are a lot of homeless people there." And I was like, "All right, mom. You know, I live in London. Yeah, yeah I'm down. I've seen a lot. There are a lot of homeless people like, everywhere. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, it's okay. Oh my God, when we went down to San Francisco." I, I know what she was talking about, you know, I, I, was, I called her up, I was like, you're right, there are a lot of homeless people here. And actually, there are a lot more homeless people than anywhere else you've ever seen in your life. There's okay. just too many homeless people. And not in, and, and you think normally people here walk around homeless people like, oh, I need to step back or maybe, maybe I'll help one of those guys. And, but those guys are like, it's, it's bizarre. Like, it's, it's like, um, the, it's a it's a huge it's it, it, what I'm trying to say is like it kind of speaks of the city in terms of like in terms of how people relate to other people and how people help other people and how people are trying to help those homeless guys and how the homeless guys actually don't feel that they're homeless they're actually just there and they just do stuff as if you know there's no stigma attached as okay. much is what I'm trying to say um, and also because of that when you walk out of your house, you really appreciate what you have. Okay. You know, there's that acute sense of, you know, okay, I'm, I'm really lucky. I live in a house. You know, it's a small house, whatever, a small flat. But I, I really appreciate what I have because the second you walk out of that house, you can see all the other people who don't have what you have in front of you. But they can All the time. But they can see the people with the houses. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's kind of, it's, it's what, what I'm trying to say. It's like, from what I, from my own experience um, is that you appreciate what you have a lot more and you appreciate that what you have to do to help out because of the other people that who don't have what you have well I think it's a really interesting um, argument that and I've not heard it before really that 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 what people often dismiss as kind of over optimism might just be <clears throat> uh, trying to improve what, you know what is negative that's an interesting I guess you kind of have people who sort of go on about positive thinking will change the world. Mm. But I've never heard it sort of phrased in a kind of 
know when you say it's a bit like <clears throat> there's a quote um, I think it was Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols said about writing God Save the Queen uh, you don't write a song like that because you hate the UK you write a song like that because you love the UK and you want to make it better and it's a very different thing but when you said that about awesome that's what it reminded me of that you know if, when you, if people are saying awesome because they want to make the world better and that's a a nice idea and I'm certainly not going to attack it <laughs> <laughs> that's true. but uh, but you know it's uh it's yeah that's a really n- nice and interesting point of view on it um did you enjoy uh, San Francisco Aisha before uh yeah so. yeah I did it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> it was uh so I often feel um <laughs> a bit kind of out of place in many situations and in many environments um and I think it's because of things that I've personally chosen to do. So I've kind of personally chosen to not be a very um, integral part of the second generation or third generation Pakistani community. Okay. Um, because I don't think that that sense of community for me is that relevant because my experiences are similar to anyone else growing up in the UK. There's okay. an overlap. Um, there are differences as well. So I've kind of always sort of stepped outside of whatever community I can see happening. Um, and when I worked in architecture, I kind of always was interested in uh, things that are happening on the kind of peripheral part of architecture. So I was, all, I was very interested in kind of um, the sociology side of how people use spaces and things like that. Um, so what I found, this is related to San Francisco, yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> what I found when I went there was that um, there were a lot of people like that um, and that was quite refreshing. There were a lot of people that were kind of grabbing different disciplines, there were different communities and kind of mingling them all together and London is a bit like that as well and yeah. that's why I like being here um, a lot more than being in my hometown, Edinburgh, which I really love as a kind of my home place but I, I wouldn't want to live there um, I nearly went to live in Edinburgh that's where we were going to go but yeah. we couldn't so we ended up in London yeah. yeah I mean it's actually really it's a really beautiful city and it's kind of um, there are interesting things to do there but there is that kind of smallness to it that small places have um, San Francisco is interesting it's not as big as London at all it's actually quite small um, and there's just lots of people doing you could on a given day, there would be a whole bunch of events that you could go to, and uh, you could, I, we often went to sort of techie kind of events because of what we do. Um, but you'd go there and you'd find uh, a sort of a woman in her early forties who's a mother who's kind of like, oh, I've taken a year off work and I built this iPad app, um, and yeah. it's to do with this. And there was another woman who's um, does sort of game design, and she had built uh, a thing for kids which. Kind of helps them learn about the environment, basically. And there's sort of a lot of things that were to do with that touched on sort of social issues or touched on um, just doing something for fun that kind of brought technology or something else all together. together. Um, and I I c- kind of quite enjoyed that. Um, since like when we came back to London, we still go to quite a lot of technology events, but it's, I'm pretty much surrounded by programmers when I go there. Um, so I think. In some ways, when I went there, I kind of thought, wow, this is like a really cool, ideal <laughs> sort of place to live in some ways. Because uh, you're not confined by those boundaries. 
yeah. um, of being in a particular discipline or being in a particular community. Um, and there are proper communities there. So there's yeah, it's a, a very segregated city sometimes. Area yeah. which is like a kind of Mexican community and this sort of Chinatown and you know all of okay. that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really funny as well. Like, um, because of the way the city grows there, it's really interesting. Because you'd have like a place like the East End, yeah, and um, which is like um, uh, what's it called, the Mission in over there, and you'd have because of cheap rents and whatever, a lot of artists would move in, just like the East End. You know, a lot of restaurants would come yeah. in, right, and then you'd have a lot of the guys like in their bedroom like oh we want to do something cool together it was like oh let's just move to the to this, this mission place you know it's, they've got a couple of coffee shops there we could work from there and then they move in they make a million dollars in like a year they still live there they don't want to move out and then you have the people of the mission who are struggling to stay alive you know and there's the artists and then somehow some weird that weird mix of people, the really rich guy that's still living in a two, in a small studio flat and taking his bike to work and you know doing yeah. stuff, and the artists who are actually struggling but doing some crazy ideas and they have the space to do it, and the people who are actually doing minimum wage kind of work and opening their own restaurants and trying to change the community and have churches and because mm. it's a prop, yeah. a true, you know, Latin American kind of stuff, the infusion of those people being together brings up some really weird interesting things you know like you get like vegetarian Japanese food you know <laughs> yeah who knew <laughs> yeah. Um, and you get like art galleries that are catering towards kind of geeky but still edgy kind of you know environments you get like kids in selling cho homemade chocolate in the street because it's really good chocolate and they're doing it as a charity thing for their school um, and you buy it because it's really amazing chocolate you get like people creating like um coffee shops are not just coffee shops anymore because they can't compete with Starbucks but they're actually they're roasting their own beans they're grabbing the beans going to South America grabbing the beans you know becoming suppliers because that's what they really are um, and that mix of people you know it's it's very interesting I mean that's why I liken it to the East End because mm. you have that kind of it's starting to happen <coughs> that way as well yeah. it is definitely going that way in the East um, I think London is a bit is a bit like that yeah way. But uh, that reminds me of San Francisco food. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> was another big reason why I liked it. Of course, because you, you yeah you you're really into food. Yeah, I like cooking, and um, there are just markets everywhere. And because we stayed there for two months, we got a small studio flat, and we had a kitchen. So it was just like the the best ingredients to play with in the world. It was really cool. Um, they just grow everything in California. I mean, it's called like the fruit basket of America. Yeah. But. Um, even sort of all the different uh, immigrants that have moved into the area, they've started to grow um, their own type of you know food wherever they came from. So like you get basmati rice, but it's grown in California. Um, okay. You get Greek olives, and they're grown in California. It's just like this amazing. Yeah, get Greek ol uh, olive oil, in California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like what? Yeah. Strange. Because they have the weather and. I guess, you know. I think we should move there. <laughs> I think we've talked about it right now for the last half an hour, and I think basically we've just convinced ourselves, actually, we should just move together. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, I, cool. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, glad that, I'm glad to have been the witness to your decision to move on and, and, and to you admitting that you were wrong about something earlier on. Some big relationship moments happening here live on, on, the, on the podcast. <clears throat> and uh, around... 
around about now, <clears throat> I, sh I should really be wrapping up because we've gone a little bit over time, which is great actually, because I think it's been a really interesting conversation. But uh, I don't want it to go on too long because I don't want to have to do too much editing. <laughs> um, so uh, this is about the point where I tend to say, have you got anything to plug? Well, actually, here's something. I don't know. We haven't thought about this a lot, but we, we've been approached by a lot of people who want to do, um, who want to learn podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is a really common theme. I mean, we every so we met someone on Friday. We said um, to get feedback on ZFM, and uh, even people like that that we meet that we're meeting them for a specific thing. How do you use ZFM? They always end up coming out with um, what I want you to do is help more people uh, get their story mm. and on you know and out there basically. Yeah. And they say often people say that they meet so many people with interesting stories. They just kind of almost wish that it was easy for them to make it into a podcast. Um, and as luck has has it, uh, <laughs> we've uh, met. Um, we, we've met these guys from something called the School of Everything, right? And they kind of help you organize events and like classes. Mm. That's what they do. They help you organize classes. And we we're thinking maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something we could do, whereby we can get someone who's an experienced podcaster, such as yourself, wow. <laughs> uh, and just basically um, trying to get people who are interested and use their help and their reach in finding um, a place where you can host it. Mm. Um, yeah. into like having like a workshop kind of event you know whereby it's simple enough for people to come in and leave with, with a small program like yeah. a five minute program and it, it you know go through all aspects of research and learning about the tools because sometimes people just get stuck with the tools they go like oh I just need to learn a tool but the tool is like it's a tool it's not the end of on the be it be it, you know it's just, it's just it's something to help you get something on tape right yeah um, but there are other things that you need to learn as well like how to interview people you know or how to um, research certain items you know where do you look for stuff yeah um, um, so I think the tools are the easiest part I think yeah yeah the, the, I mean they're, they're out there and anyone can do them even I can get it together but uh, it's it's yeah it's working out how to make a podcast that is interesting interesting absolutely so yeah so here you go that's the so plug hopefully this one is <laughs> yeah yeah and, uh, there's a that sounds fantastic and I'd certainly like to be involved in that okay um, we've kind of been thinking about what if there's lots of people listening to the same podcast every week? What's the conversation that could be had around that? Because yeah, yeah. sometimes it's a lot. You know, you listen to something. My sister often says this because she listens to a lot of podcasts. She says, I listen to something and I just kind of really want to talk to someone about it. Yeah. What I just heard. Yeah. But the actual listening experience is quite usually quite a kind of independent thing that you do by yourself. It can be frustrating because you sort of go on Facebook or Twitter and you, <laughs> you say, oh, I've listened to this brilliant podcast, but yeah. none of your friends have. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they don't care. They don't care. And it's really yeah. hard to get them to listen to podcasts anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's not like a, a book club moment, I think. Yeah. That was. Because she's into book clubs, Aisha's sister. Uh, so she's like, that's what you do with a book. You read it on your own, mm. and then you meet a bunch of people who've read the same book and you discuss it. She's like, why can't you guys do something similar? And I think the yeah, problem yeah. Is, is like relating who listened to what and putting them together is. I think we're learning a lot um, <laughs> the last. Um, two or three weeks and we're trying to consolidate this ZFM thing into something a bit smaller and more direct um, that actually reaches a bit further and doesn't have to worry about all the things that would make an iTunes work right? or like you know, an iTunes podcast store kind of work kind of like how can we cut back down and strip it from all the fluff well, what would you get left 
and that would be the thing. So that's kind of what we're trying to work down to. Well, that sounds very exciting. I hope so. And one of the things that I like about ZFM and about you guys is that you're always learning. Uh, it's <laughs> a, it's a, a, an admirable way to be, and hopefully I'm learning, and hopefully this podcast I learned some more about the both of you. So uh, yeah. it's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you guys. Yeah. Um, could you, do you want to say goodbye to the listeners? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> We've also learned a lot about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so goodbye. Shortly after this conversation, in fact the evening of the same day, Aisha and Abdel revealed to myself and the rest of their collaborators that they were putting ZFM to sleep. In its place, they are setting up a very new and exciting audio service called Super Owl, an iPhone app at first with intentions to expand over other smartphone applications in future designed to be used by commuters who love podcasts subscribers will get a specially selected batch of audio every week selected by collaborators like myself and various other members of the team it will be very affordable and it's all very very exciting for more about this go to superowl.me Follow them on Twitter at The Super Owl, where they'll be giving commuting tips and talking about exciting and interesting commuter issues and also keeping you updated about what's going on with Super Owl. Super Owl, making your boring journeys wonderful. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. 